The Hill Country Patriot. He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get He's Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on a gorgeous Hill Country September 1st morning. Just uh, had to check the uh, interwebs this morning, and uh, yeah, it's uh, September. Um, We got through August without Trump being uh, reinstated as president, so... Uh, there you go. That was uh, the last deadline. I haven't heard of any. You know, I had uh, we heard I had January sixth, January twentieth. There was some kind of March date, and all these prophets and prognosticators, and and when none of them came to pass, they said uh, August. Oh yeah, it's August, and uh, so we made it through August, and um, no, uh, we've still got uh, Sleepy Joe in uh, the white house and boy i'm telling you this is one of those days i'm glad i don't do national stuff because boy did his speech yesterday whoo man talk about yelling at your tv oh that was horrible 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 uh speech from our president yesterday in so many ways so that's why i'm so glad we stick to texas and that's why it's you know maybe it's time to start looking at texas if you were one of those like me for many, many years that said, nah, I don't know about that. Nope, nope, we're not going to ever in a million years uh, break away from the United States. And uh, so here we are at a point where you're looking around thinking they are so messed up in Washington that now that whole idea of Texas uh, kind of being its own country I don't know. Might be a good idea to kind of prepare and get ready for that. All right. The Texas Nationalist Movement, that's when um, uh, the Texas Nationalist Movement, um, uh, they have been talking about getting prepared to do this for a long time. A lot of people got confused about this Texas legislature. In fact, the author of that bill, my very own uh, uh, representative, Kyle Biederman, was not happy with the uh, moniker of Texas, uh, Texit. He very early on said, oh, I wish you guys wouldn't call it that. Well, it was kind of too late uh, because the bill didn't really have to do, it wasn't really about we pass this bill and Texas becomes an independent nation. The bill was about preparing for the possibility in the future because if this was ever to happen, it, would, it, it wouldn't happen overnight, and it would take a lot of time. It would take a lot of preparation. It would take a lot of planning, kind of like, uh, you know, evacuating uh, the military from Afghanistan. Yeah, it would kind of be along the lines of that. And so what we need to do and what the this bill that uh, uh, Representative Biederman put forward that did not get anywhere and uh, But what the Texas National Movement is still pushing for is for us to prepare for that day. Get our ducks in a row. Study. What would it take? I mean, what would it take? 
has anybody really sat down and outlined that out seriously at the at the uh, uh, the state level? And so this bill that we were trying to get through and that Texas nationalist movement was promoting was all about preparing for that day and planning ahead of time. And then you, once you've got all those plans set out, you can put them in a file and pull them out when the day does come instead of starting from scratch. In fact, I know there's a lot of people right now that two years ago or before Biden would have said no way, no how, and now after six months of Biden, you're saying, uh, what, what, what's with that Texas nationalist movement? What, what, what are they doing? Um, and I'm one of those, so I'm with you. I have changed my mind. Imagine that. Um, so we, um, the Fredericksburg Tea Party has invited Daniel Miller, who is the, uh, the head, the boss man of the Texas nationalist movement, and he is going to be our speaker on September 9th. That is a week from tomorrow. And he will be our speaker at the Fredericksburg uh, Tea Party. And so we're looking forward to having Daniel. If you have questions about that, or listen, here, here's, here's the challenge to you. If you're in that camp that says, no way, no how, I'm not, uh, 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 no way. We don't want Texas to leave the union. If you're in that camp and you're that dead set, I completely respect that. But go ahead, come to this meeting. Sit and listen. In fact, during the question and answer period, go ahead and uh, bring up the other side. Make your arguments as to why you think this is a bad idea. I mean, that there, this is an opportunity for you to educate yourself. So if you're not, if you're totally against the idea, this is the perfect opportunity for you to come and listen and see what folks have to say. So that's Thursday night, uh, next a week from Thursday, uh, Fredericksburg Tea Party meeting. Um, let's see after that on the calendar. Oh, September 11th. I got a flyer. I uh, got a flyer uh, yesterday uh, afternoon. I, I know nothing about this other than the flyer. So it says uh, Save America Flag Ride and March. Uh, September 11th at 1 o'clock at the Walmart in Bernie, the Bernie Walmart. And it says, a prayer pledge and an honor of our military, up and down Main Street, then to River Road. All right, I have just read you, oh yeah, one more thing, save the date. All right, so you now know everything I know about that uh, event in Bernie, but that's still uh, a week and a few days off, and so 10 days off, so we will get you more <clears throat> more information on that. But if you want to be, uh, get be a part of Save America Flag Ride, in March, September 11th at 1 o'clock in Bernie. Uh, September 18th, Fredericksburg Tea Party has their Boots and Barbecue, their annual fundraiser. It's going to be a blast. Tickets are, boy, they are just about gone. We are down to the scratchy last. The last seats uh, are up and available. Uh, we have, I got Chad Prather scheduled uh, to be on the program. He's going to be on here a week from Friday. So I'm looking forward to that interview, and so we've got Chad Prather lined up uh, to come on to the program a week from Friday. Um, this Friday, while we're talking about the schedule, this Friday um, I have Felicia Bull with Gun Owners of America, and uh, she is um, really GOA. 
and uh, their grassroots that they have built up around them over the last number of years are absolutely 100% responsible for having driven the permitless carry bill through the legislature and have it signed by the governor. Now, some people call it constitutional carry, eh, and we'll talk about we'll talk with that about Felicia. I've I've heard all the arguments, and um, I'm going to stick with permitless carry. And so, uh, but Felicia is going to be on the air this Friday, so she's going to answer those questions. Where do we stand? How now that today is the day you can legally carry without getting permission from the government, from the state government? What does that mean? Um, if you have not gotten your license, then you don't. You've probably not studied all the laws that uh, or, or regulations uh, that I had to study when uh, my wife and I got our license. And so no, no, uh, no slam on you, but uh, it may be a good idea to do a little bit of research about what uh, permitless carry means in Texas before you just strap it on and head out the door. Um, and uh, so because you don't want to be in, in violation of any of these laws because it can end up in some cases being a felony and uh, once you have a felony it's uh, almost impossible to even buy a firearms uh, much less carry it under any conditions so be be careful before you just strap it on and head out the door and uh, because it is not true everything constitutional carry it's not just i can go anywhere anytime with a gun under any conditions it's not that. It is permitless carry. So Friday would be a really good day to tune in. And, of course, I will uh, take that show and put it up on Spotify. I am now on Apple Podcasts, which is real cool. So Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and the last one, Anchor. Uh, that's the one I don't have written down. So that is uh, where you can find my the, the daily program, and I take it home, I clean it up, I pull the, uh, the, the brakes out of there, and it uh, gets it down to about 45 to 47 minutes long. And um, so there you go. That's available on Spotify. And I appreciate you uh, telling folks about that. And if you have family members or friends that you want to hear the program, that's a good place to go do it if they cannot listen live. Um, all right, we're going to take a short break. We've got two things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about all the new bills that are going into effect today. Uh, 666 of those new bills. Why, why, could, why did they have to do 666 new bills? They, I, I don't know. I don't get it. But then even more important, we're going to talk about the uh, second half of the program. We're going to talk about vetting of candidates who, uh, if you're a constitutional conservative, how do you vet candidates? Uh, y'all, y'all, stay tuned. Uh, you're going to be surprised how I answer that questions. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we are back. Mama told me not to come. So there you go. Um, we've got uh, all the new laws going to effect today. Just to give you a little overview of how Texas laws are, 
uh, when they're passed. You know, our legislature meets once every two years, odd number of years, starting in January to the end of May. And then, of course, the governor, only the governor, may call a special session for a only a specific list of topics. And uh, we're obviously in the middle of that right now, getting winding down to the end of our second special session, which, as far as I can tell, only got two bills passed um, to the governor's desk. I think there may be more than that, but uh, two of significance. And uh, so the uh, Senate's mostly been doing their job. The House has been doing nothing. If you've been uh, paying any attention, you know all of that. So when bills pass in a regular session... Um, we'll just use regular session. So at the end of May, the bill is passed, it's signed by the governor, or it's not signed by the governor. By the way, that is not a, a veto if the governor doesn't sign the bill. Um, it goes into effect without his signature. That one, I, that was a new one on me this year. I had to uh, learn about that one. And so that one, um, if a bill passes with a certain uh, supermajority of each chamber, I'm going to say two-thirds. It might not be two-thirds, but it's a supermajority of some sort. If it passes, if a bill passes both of those uh, chambers with a supermajority, then it will go into effect the day the, I believe, the day the governor signs it. All right? I believe that it goes into effect the day the governor signs it. Now, if that doesn't happen, then if they don't get a majority or the governor doesn't sign it, the law goes into effect on September 1st, and that's true every two years. So September 1st of every odd-numbered year, a whole slew of new laws get passed. And listen, when you think about uh, you want to be grateful that we have a part-time legislature because if they can pass 666 new laws in five months every two years, what if we had them full-time? I mean, then you're looking at, uh, what, uh, 1,500, 2,000 bills a year that would be passed. And, yeah, don't, uh, please, we do not want a full-time legislature. It's a mess enough keeping up with over 600 or almost 700 new laws. Now, a lot of those, yeah, they're just not going to affect your everyday life. It may have something to do with uh, reducing dust in a gravel quarry. Well, that's only going to be... A handful of us who are affected by that law, the owners of the gravel quarry and uh, the neighbors of the gravel quarry, right? So, But a lot of these will affect every single one of us. And so the uh, 10 uh, that, uh, out the, the 10 that, let's see, the Texan.news uh, came up with a list of 10, and I believe Harley was going through that list. I want to just run through them right quick. Uh, the uh, Texas Heartbeat. Uh, act, which I'm glad we have it. I'm seeing that uh, I've been hearing reports that some um, abortion clinics have already started canceling certain abortions. And uh, so there's also lawsuits uh, going up against this uh, bill, um, but it seems to be having some effect. One of the things that no one ever mentioned and uh, I could be way out here, but uh, it was my own thinking on this, was that if, the, um, if a doctor can be sued by anyone if they perform an abortion, because, see, that's what the law is, uh, that uh, anyone can sue a doctor if they find out that they've uh, been doing an abortion uh, uh, improperly after the heartbeat is heard, then the citizen gets to, any citizen, any citizen gets to sue them. 
Now, you know, that sounds kind of good at first, but the thing that really bothers a lot of us about this bill is that there is no state mechanism to enforce this law. Well, my theory is that uh, if you're liable to that many lawsuits, that the insurance companies that insure these abortion clinics, um, they may be taking uh, making a, a risk assessment right now. And uh, that may be a backdoor way of curtailing abortions, the murder of babies in the state of Texas um, through the insurance companies. We're going to have to watch how this one comes out. I was disappointed in it, um, but uh, even the pro-life organizations are very happy with it. So we're gonna, we're, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave my judgment on that until we see what happens over the next year or two. The suppressor bill. Now this is an interesting one. We now have a made in Texas uh, suppressor bill that uh, you know if you buy a suppressor uh, these days and and go through the uh, federal channels, you have to pay a a two hundred dollar tax stamp. You also have to pay a special occupational tax well the the dealers have to pay the uh, occupational tax and so the price of them goes up and uh, it is a third degree felony um, uh, in Texas without abi abiding by these laws however if you have a suppressor that is made in Texas and sold in Texas then it falls outside of interstate uh, laws therefore taking away the power of the federal government to enforce that law. Well, it doesn't actually take away their power. It just uh, it, it challenges their power because an ATF officer will still enforce federal regulations against them. Did you hear that? So uh, federal ATF officers will still enforce federal regulations on suppressors even though we have this made in Texas law so be very careful in fact um, let's see here is uh, the Attorney General here's a suggestion that you want to make sure before you uh, start facing felony charges you want to make sure that the Attorney General tests this law alright so Paxton needs to get a declaration from the federal court that the law is constitution. That is the opinion of the writer of this article, um, Hayden Sparks. Um, I'm more about uh, don't ask permission, you know, beg for forgiveness. Um, I'm saying, but that's uh, that'll be a decision you have to make, but you would still be violating federal law if you have a suppressor without a federal license for it. All right, critical race theory bill, House Bill 3979. Um, it is, um, I'm not completely happy with it, but it's a pretty doggone good start. Uh, the statewide homeless camping ban, um, no homeless people, no homeless persons ever tried to camp on my property. Um, and so, uh, and I don't know about this, but uh, the is, uh, it is now illegal to camp on public land in Texas. Um, without the consent of the officer or agency having the legal duty or authority to manage the public place. In other words, if there is a public spot and uh, some kind of agency or officer gives consent 
who has the legal duty over that spot, then I guess that makes it okay. Um, it's going to be a Class C misdemeanor. It's going to be real interesting to uh, um, uh, – I don't know where the homeless people live in Kerrville. <clears throat> I know where they live in Fredericksburg. And if you don't know where the homeless people are in Fredericksburg, I'm not going to expose them um, on the radio. But it is under a bridge <clears throat> on Main Street. Uh, so there you go. Figure that one out. Um, the Let's see, hospital price transparency. I read an article about uh, 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 hospital price, price transparency. Uh, this was part of the Trump uh, administration rule. That came, uh, that came about during Trump, and uh, most of our Texas hospitals are not following that rule. So we'll see now if the, now that it is Texas law, we will have to see how uh, Texas uh, handles, how the hospitals now handled it, um, if it is Texas law. Um, let's see, uh, each, uh, here's a good one that really affects us after the COVID. The uh, Department of Health and Human Services, uh, let's see, they, all right, here we go. The, this new law, Senate Bill 25, will um, allow uh, a patient in a long-term care facility or a nursing home to have a, an official visitor, all right? And so they, someone who cannot be turned away like folks were turned away, during the pandemic. So that is um, uh, taking care of that issue we had during the pandemic. And one more, uh, as before, the Star-Spangled Banner Protection Act. Oh, man, this is a law that forces sporting events to play the uh, national anthem. Wow, boy, could that one swing the other way. We could pass a bill just like this that forces them to play YMCA um, at every event um, when the other people get in power. I have a hard time with this bill, which will probably make a big chunk of my listeners pretty mad at me. But uh, go for it. Um, be glad to discuss why I think this is a bad law, but it's going into effect today. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and um, talk about how do you vet if you're a constitutional conservative, how do you vet candidates? All right, y'all stay tuned. This is important. All right, folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. Um, I want to talk about vetting today. We are in uh, campaign season. Yes, it's early, um, but here's some interesting things about endorsements. Uh, candidates want your endorsements up front right away. In fact, I've had candidates ask me and the Fredericksburg Tea Party to vet them, to, to uh, um, not vet them, but to endorse them. Um, before they even announce, because they want to come in with endorsements. They want to, I'm running, and all of these cool people are, are already behind me. That's what they want. All right, now, what do you want as an organization or an individual when it comes to endorsing a candidate? 
you want to wait until all the candidates are in the race. Now, there's going to be some exceptions to that. If one of your closest friends is someone you know extremely well or someone you've worked with for years, uh, someone that uh, you've, you've uh, backed in the past, um, it comes to you and says, hey, I'm going to run again, would you endorse me? Now, that would be an exception to that. But if you're going, most of us, most of us, let's just talk citizens now, most of us citizens, we, we, some of these we don't even know, we hear about that person running um, until it's later. I mean, did you know Danny Harrison is a Republican running for governor? Ah, you probably didn't because all you've heard is uh, Don Huffines, uh, Alan West, and Chad Prather. And so as a, unless you're really staying in touch with things, you may not even know that there's a dude named Danny Harrison who also is running for governor. Now, and, uh, oh, by the way, Danny Harrison, we interviewed on him uh, here on the program. You can find that interview on a Spotify as well as many other, uh, uh, I, uh, as well as many other podcast sites. So, what does that mean to vet? To vet someone means to dig deep, find out, study them, um, uh, to, to give it a very close exam. All right. Now, if you're a very serious citizen, you want to take a close examination of all the candidates in a certain race. That, that's what you would, in, in a perfect world, that's what you would do. And so you would take a look at these people. So how do you do that? If you have, if you can't interview them in person, you know, you're kind of dependent upon ads, the flyers in your mail, the things like that. Woo! If that's all you're depending upon, or if your idea of vetting the best candidate is to see who has the most yard signs, that's not how you vet a candidate. All right? So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today, and there's no way I'm going to get through all this material so this will be probably a two-parter, maybe even longer. Um, so if you do have the opportunity to interview every candidate running for an office, well, that's not easy for most people. But, you know, organizations like your local patriot group, your local We the People group, your local Tea Party group, they do have the opportunity to vet and to talk to all of the candidates in a specific race because they look to these organizations as, as, as more than one vote, right? I mean, if you were an individual and you wanted to get every candidate to come over in your house and sit down in your living room, that would be ideal, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great? But they're not going to put that energy into that for one vote. But if they know that they can get vetted in front of a larger organization that maybe has a large mailing list or something like that, then they will make sure that they get in line and, and do that. So the Fredericksburg Tea Party has been vetting candidates now for many years. We're getting pretty good at it. All right? We've learned some hard lessons. We've had some vettings backfire on us. And, boy, I'm telling you what, that is going to happen, I promise you. All right, so here we go. What's the first thing? Be, know, know that a candidate knows who you are. The candidate has already vetted your organization. They know exactly what you stand for, what you believe in. Maybe not exactly, but they have a rough idea. 
and uh, they're going to be busy preparing answers that you want to hear. Did you hear that? Your candidates, and by the way, if that's if that's news to you, then uh, somebody sitting next to this person, if that's news to someone in your truck, somebody reach over and slap them. Um, if you didn't know by now that candidates are going to tell you what you want to hear, then, boy, you're way behind. Um, but that's what they're going to do, and you need to keep that in mind when you go into the vetting process. Um, a, a do not project your desired answer. This one, to me, is the most obnoxious questions that I see and I just, I, you know, people will say, well, here's a bunch of questions we're going to ask the candidates. What do you think? People send us stuff like that to the Fredericksburg Tea Party. They ask for advice. They ask for our help because we've been doing this for 12 years. We have some experience in this. And so I'll get these questions and, or, or for a forum, a, a group's going to have a forum and they want me to look over, they want the Tea Party to look over the questions. The biggest mistake I see that we see is that the answer you want to hear is inside the question. All right, I'll give you an example. Um, give you an example. We could say, uh, if I said to a candidate, everybody knows that the, uh, the, the uh, immigration system is broken. What are you going to do to fix it? All right. That's a question I heard a few years ago that just chapped my mm, all the way down, chapped my lips all the way down. Um, first of all, you've just told the candidate where you stand on immigration issues. They've probably already kind of had a little bit of an idea about that. But you've just set them up to give you the answer that you want to hear. They'll go, oh, yeah, we all know it's broken. You're right. It is all busted to pieces. I rewrote this question a few years ago, and here's how I rewrote it. I wrote that question, and remind you, we're going to get the same, we're going to get the answer we're after, but here's how I wrote that question. And I looked up, I did some research, and somewhere between 600,000 and a million um, uh, immigrants into this country every year are given their citizenship. 600,000 to a million a year. They go through the immigration process. Now, when you say the immigration system is broken, we all know what you're talking about. You're talking about the enforcement of the laws, right? That's what we know you're all talking about it. And so I asked, the, the question was written, 600,000 people per year get, a, uh, get, get vetted and get passed and become U.S. citizens through the immigration process. And go from there with your question. Because now they're going to go, wait a minute, wait, 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 we, I thought it was broken. Isn't that what I'm going to say? It's broken? How do you say something's broken that passes 600,000 people a year and works? Listen, I agree with you. I know you're out there going, my, Mr. Long, it is broken. Yes, I know it is. But if you phrase your question in that manner, then you're not projecting your desired answer, and you're going to get more out of them. You're going to get more out of them with a question like that. All right. It is here is something that uh, vetting is not. Vetting is not a checklist. Vetting is not a checklist. And I'll go back to the first thing I said. They know what answers you want to hear. So if you give them a checklist, they will answer it the way you want that the way they want to 
the way they think you want to hear the answer. They will answer it the way you want it to be answered on a checklist. Now we're going to come back here in a few minutes. We need to take a short break, and then we're going to come back, and uh, I'm going to go into that then. What kind of questions do you ask if it's not a checklist? Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned and telling your friends about the Matt Long Show, available on Spotify and now Apple Podcasts. So there you go. So we're talking about vetting. Um, don't, uh, don't, uh, don't project your answer. It's not a checklist. Listen, here, and here's what I'm talking about, and I've seen this over and over. Um, you have the candidate in there who's got an R by their name, and, of course, everybody with an R by their name calls themselves a conservative. So here we go. You've got that uh, candidate in there with an R who's a conservative, and so you give them a checklist. Do you believe in the sanctity of life? Oh, yes, I do. Do you believe in the Second Amendment? Oh, yes, I do. Do you, uh, you can go through this list, right? And, of course, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. They've already checked you out, right? They have already checked you out. So if you just give them a checklist with nothing, with no meat to it, they're going to answer it properly, and you're going to be at square one when you get done because you're going to pull out all those little checklists, and you're going to look at every candidate, and you're going to say, OMG, they all said the same thing. Well, duh, of course they are. Now, written or verbal, written and or verbal, I like the written and the verbal. It takes time. It takes work. In fact, everything we do in self-governance takes time and work. If you're not ready to rededicate some of your time, if you're not ready to uh, get rid of something on your schedule to get involved in self-governance, and if you're not ready to work at this, then you're just not ready. All right? You're just not ready. So, Written and verbal, I would suggest. Give them the, uh, uh, ask your questions written. Have them, uh, you know, fill it out. Give them a certain deadline. Give them uh, plenty of time and space to answer the questions. I would not limit it to yes, no. I would go through and give them time to explain their answers. Always say, uh, question this, this, that, and explain your answer. All right? Now, once you have it in writing, you have uh, that, that's a record. That's something you can bring that back to them. If they get in office, you can bring that back to them and say, you know, you just voted this, 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 and that way we backed you, but you said you were going to vote the other way on those things. And so that's a good tool to keep for keeping them uh, responsible for what they said and, and holding them accountable to what they said. Um, verbal is the very best with the written and the verbal. And I'm not talking about a 20-minute little sit-down and going through a checklist. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an hour and a half to two hours. I know. I know. I just blew some of your minds, didn't I? An hour minimum. Sit down in a comfortable room with your with your with your uh whether it be your steering committee or your executive committee or a handful of trusted uh, leaders in your community sit down in a room 
and visit with them. Because, see, anybody can do a checklist, but here's a secret. Once you get someone to talking, they will, their true self will eventually come out. Their true, their true ideas will come out if you keep them talking. And so ask open-ended questions. Ask an open-ended questions. And then don't just, uh, and then, of course, politely sit there and listen. Take some notes. But then when they get done with their answer, go back and get them to clarify a few areas. Go, go back into, well, you just said this. Tell me how would that apply to such and such a thing, situation. All right? And so th this is difficult. You're going to have to work on your questions. This is not easy. You cannot throw a vetting process together in a half an hour while you're at lunch, right? You, you, you can't do that and do it properly, all right? And so the written and the verbal, plan a good block of time, get a, people in there with a different mindset than your own, and that's not too hard because each and every one of us has a different mindset than the person sitting next to you. I hope they do. Um, that's what makes us great. So follow up on their answers. Get them to go deeper. Now, again, this kind of relates to the checklist, the hot topics of the day. All right, the hot topics of the day, which would be the COVID, the lockdown, right? Okay, so you'd say, well, what are you going to do if we have a pandemic? What What are you going to do the next time this is, comes around? Are you going to stand for liberty? Or are you going to, you know, go along with shutting us down? Or, you know, that, that type of question is the hot topic of the day, right? Now, you may want to ask that question. I don't have a problem with it, but let me point this out. Two years ago, at this point in time, let's go back two years Go back two years. It's uh, 19, uh, 2019. <laughs> it's 2019. It is September 1st, 2019. You've got a local race coming up, whatever. We're making all this up. Would one of your questions, if you had your checklist, right, would would on your que checklist, would the question arise, uh, what are you going to do during a pandemic? Of course it wouldn't. Right? So if you're replying on a checklist, you've got to think of a whole things that haven't happened. So what are you after when you're vetting? What you're after is you want to find out what their principles are. That's where you're after. And, and don't just say, give me your principles that you live by. Now, you can do that if you want to. That's fine. But by listening, by asking follow-up questions, by getting them to go deeper, to ask more philosophical questions as opposed to the hot topics of the day, as opposed to a checklist, that makes it a lot more harder. That makes it harder. And so, but that will get to you if you listen to them and they talk long enough which is the whole point of this. It's not for you to lecture them on what you think because I've seen that in vetting processes before. You're not there to, they're not there to vet you. You're there to vet them. So you want to get them talking. You've got two ears and one mouth, so shut your mouth, open your ears. You guys are supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. I think uh, Lorraine might have uh, taught me that. Um, but uh, so when you're vetting, you want to listen. You want to get them to say and talk as much as possible. 
And then after you're done, get with your group right then. You've all taken notes right then do a follow-up. Say, well, did you hear what he said this? Yeah, I know. I did, too. That made me kind of curious. Where is he coming from? Where is she coming from on that? So have your little right after action. Have your discussion and talk about these things. Remember, the Constitution is your guide. If you're a constitutional conservative, the Constitution is your guide, not the hop topics of the day. Now, I'm going to give you an example about two questions i'm going to give you an example this is a silly example but it will make some sense all right so i've got two questions that are attempting to get to the same thing what we're trying to find out is is there any limits to the free speech does this candidate see any limits on your free speech now if you say to your candidate if you ask them do you believe in free speech do you believe in uh, all the, the things uh, protected in the First Amendment? Do you believe in those five rights protected in the First Amendment? They're going to say, absolutely, of course they do. So here we go. Ask this question. Can you yell fire in a crowded theater? Ask that question. Because they're not going to be expecting that, right? Their answer to that question will tell you a whole lot about where they actually really stand on free speech. Because we've been hearing this for years. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. By the way, you want to have some fun today? Go, go do some research on where that came up, where that statement, that question came from. Because it actually has a history. You might be very surprised. And you'll be a little bit smarter than you were when you woke up this morning. All right? You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Now, that will begin a discussion on free speech. And then you keep talking with them, right? You keep visiting with them. By the way, what is the answer to can you yell fire in a crowded theater? What do you think, Lorraine? Lorraine says no, she doesn't think so. What if there's a fire, Lorraine? Oh, Lorraine's now Lorraine's all confused. Yeah, because if there's a fire, you better yell fire in a crowded theater. All right, so see, the answer is not as straightforward cut as you think it might be. In fact, I was in a crowded theater with Glenn Beck and uh, Bill O'Reilly a few years ago, and they discussed this, and both of them yelled, fire, and it was in a crowded theater. There was no fire. Nothing happened. So th that's the point. I, knew, I know that's a silly example, but if you can come up with questions that get to the deeper philosophical, you want them to open up and talk, and you want to listen. When you're vetting a candidate, keep your mouth shut and your ears open. Take notes. Do not give them a checklist. Get them to start talking. Do not project your desired answer. That is going to be the biggest one you run into. You start writing your questions out and then go back and put that little test on it, and you'll probably throw half your questions out. All right, this is coming from experience. This is coming from people who I've asked to write questions to vet certain candidates in certain races, and I get them and I go, oh, seriously? Um, but anyway, this vetting process is not simple. It's not easy. It's going to take work if you're going to do it properly, and it takes time. It takes preparation. And by the way, you don't have to be in a hurry. In fact, um, you got until about the middle of December before the candidate filings are all closed. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine 
And uh, we will see you on the morrow.